North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's getting $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. You've listened to Dr. Low Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, and we are broadcasting this show at a very unique time during the week. We normally have our shows on Tuesdays at 6 p.m., of course, and we're doing a special recorded show, actually a special live show uh, today at noon on Monday to accommodate our guest who is in the U.K. So if we did our show normally at 6, I think he would be up all hours of the night trying to uh, be our guest on the show. So thanks, you guys, for being flexible with that. And uh, before we announce the guest and our topic for tonight, I just want to give you a little update. So as you guys may have heard, I'm opening my own clinic, Shine Natural Medicine. So we are busy getting the space set up, and we'll be announcing the location here pretty soon. Our goal was actually to be open today. But of course, as you guys know, with opening a a new business, it takes like 90,000 times longer than you expect. Um, So hopefully in the next week or two, we will be up and running and ready to see patients in person. So of course, it's in the San Diego area. But I do work with patients locally here and all over the country. So I'm still doing phone appointments um, and house calls, believe it or not, if you're in the area. So if you'd like to work with me, I'd love to work with you. Check me out, DrLaurenNoel.com. If you have more questions, there's more information on the website about that. Uh, See, another announcement, I am going to be... Uh, in Atlanta this week for the Ancestral Health Symposium. It turns out I am going to be there, kind of a last-minute thing, and I'm going to be uh, doing a a workshop with Dr. Rick Henriksen. It's going to be for practitioners only, so if you are a naturopathic doctor or osteopathic doctor or medical doctor, any kind of health practitioner, you're welcome. We're going to be doing case studies, so bringing real-life cases of what we may be doing with patients from different perspectives, from a treatment um, standpoint. So nice way to kind of put our brains all together and come up with the collaborative effort of how we would treat patients from different perspectives. So it'll be really, really fun. Uh, let's see. So that's this week. If you guys do uh, see me at, at AHS, please come up and say hi. I'd love to meet you. If you've been listeners to the show, I'd love to meet you guys and hear some of, of your stories. Um, and then next week's show, uh, regular time, Tuesday at 6 o'clock, I'm going to be interviewing. It's actually kind of a different topic. We're going to be doing a show all about balance. So I'll be inter- interviewing one of the nation's top business coaches, Aaron Keith. He is the founder of AscensionPrograms.com. You can check it out, AscensionPrograms.com. And he works with business owners around the country on growing and expanding their business. And one of the things that he teaches his clients is the distinction of balance and creating balance within your life. And I strongly believe that many of our health concerns, our health issues, come from stress. And so many of us do not have balance in our lives. We're just going like crazy, a million miles a minute, and really implementing balance into our life is so therapeutic and just being able to handle your day with ease, you know, stress-free. Of course, life isn't always stress-free. It couldn't always be stress-free. But if we implement balance, we can handle things that much better. So that's next week's show, and I think we're good. So on to tonight, today's topic. I'm used to doing a show at night. So uh, today we're going to be interviewing John Nicholson. He is the writer, and he's also a novelist from England. He usually writes about soccer, actually, but he wrote a book called The Meat Fix. 
And he's gotten a lot of news coverage all across the U.K. about this, making a lot of vegans and vegetarians very angry in the process. We're going to hear more about John's story. John, thanks so much for being on the show, and welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Oh, that's great to, uh, great to speak to you, Lauren. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm always good now. These days, I'm in fine health. <laughs> I know. It's so great just reading through your book. It's, it's amazing the story you've had, and it's been quite a wild ride, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah, it really has. Um, I think it's often quite hard to convey to people who haven't been ill um, for a long time just how brilliant it is to feel well again. And um, I've tried to sort of put that over in the book, um, that this um, wasn't a little tweak to my diet, which um, ended in me feeling a little bit better. This was a a life-changing and quite a profound change in every single way, both physically and mentally, that I underwent when I um, understood more about what food was doing to me. Yeah, we we have a similar story, John. I mean, you you were a vegan for much longer than I was. I was a vegan for probably about six months, and a lot of my listeners know I was vegetarian for about three years, and that was long enough for me. You know, I noticed some some really amazing improvements from making that transition, but then after a while I realized that I was getting some deficiencies, and I always said that if I ever craved it, I would eat meat, and one day I just craved it and I ate it. So it was, you know, it was just kind of a natural progression for me to move away from that diet, but I learned so much about eating real food and lots of plants, and I still strongly believe in that, but for me it wasn't a fit any longer. So I'd love to hear about how, how your story kind of unfolded, but let's kind of take a step back and tell me a little bit about, you know, your story from the beginning. So what had you turn into being a vegetarian? And then, you know, obviously you were a vegetarian for a very long time, despite having a lot of health concerns, right? And then transitioning into more of an animal-based diet. So tell us a little bit about your story. Well, basically, um, well, myself and Dawn, my partner, were um, what we kind of used to know in the 70s and early 80s as hippies. Um, which kind of meant that we um, smoked dope and listened to a lot of uh, Grateful Dead. And um, this is a lifestyle which is about 10 years out of date, but, uh, but we liked it anyway. And so we were, one day in 1984, um, we were living out in the countryside, and uh, we used to see cattle getting taken away for slaughter. And we suddenly thought, quite casually one day, well, this seems a little bit self-indulgent for us to grow animals to kill them uh, when there's lots of other things we can eat. Mm-hmm. So almost on a whim, really, one day, early in January 1984, we thought we'd stop eating meat. And uh, it kind of appealed to our sense of, um, of, of being rebellious and being outsiders. Um, and it played into the, our sort of culture of alternative living, if you like. And uh, because at the time, of course, um, very few people were vegetarians and certainly almost nobody was a vegan. And it was really mm-hmm. quite kind of left field and strange. So we really kind of embraced it fully, but um, and we embraced it fully until 2010. So I was actually a vegan for 26 years. Mm-hmm. And um, well, much of that time, I, I should say, I was a vegan. Occasionally I did eat dairy produce when I was out and about, because often it's hard in England to um, eat vegan meals when you're out. But largely I was a, I was a, a vegan. And uh, so, yeah, for 26 years, um, which is a heck of a long time. Yeah. <laughs> And um, so and they, then yeah so so then you were a vegetarian for 26 years now now question about that when you first became a vegetarian did you notice improvements in your health at first 
Yeah, I think it's interesting this because what it did was it changed our diet um, from being quite a sort of narrow, restricted diet to one which we actually put a lot of effort into researching. So we, um, I mean, this is probably hard for people to hear in the 21st century, but in, in, uh, in England in 1984, I hadn't even eaten a pizza. We Because our food culture was very, very narrow. So being a vegetarian opened me up to this world of lentils and pulses and chickpeas and spices. And um, it basically it was quite mind-expanding. And um, so, yes, I mean, initially, um, in fact, I must say until 1991, I didn't have any health issues being a vegetarian or none that I identified at the time. And um, uh, through that period, from about 84 to 90, um, both I know in America and also over here, the um, healthy eating advice from the, from the government um, and from doctors and from our health service over here became very much to go low fat, um, low cholesterol, very little red meat, and, um, and it started to edge towards really endorsing the vegetarian lifestyle. So we thought, mm-hmm. hey, this is fantastic. We get to be morally superior, and we get to eat a healthy diet. Uh, so it's like a double win for us. So it seemed mm-hmm. as though the whole uh, that we'd kind of struck upon some a lifestyle which was almost bulletproof, that it was healthy with a capital H. So not for any of this period of time did we ever question it. And in fact, even you know back into 2010, our uh, doctors were still telling us this is a fantastic healthy diet. Don't don't change the diet. This is the sort of diet we want everybody to have. And um, so, yeah, for that whole period, we never questioned it. Stupidly, stupidly, I never questioned it. I'm very bitterly regret that now. And and uh, before we go into, like, when you first started eating meat again and what that was like, what kind of health concerns and issues were you having throughout that 26 years? I know you mentioned maybe the first eight, nine years you didn't have any health issues. And then what started developing? Well, the first thing to develop was... Um, irritable bowel syndrome, which was undiagnosed at the time. Um, this is the early 90s. And um, which just started initially with um, a kind of vague feeling of discomfort after eating. But w- within years, this had developed into a full-blown aggressive condition where basically I had to plan most kind of public outings around restrooms um, because it was hard to control your bowels at some times. I mean, I, the worst parts of the book are really, I made deliberately very graphic to try and <laughs> give people a sense of how profound this condition is. I know that it, you will be aware of just how bad it is. But, I mean, I, after every meal, my stomach would be distended and bloated. And, um, you know, basically, it was really, really, really uncomfortable and unpleasant for years. For 17 years, mm-hmm. I had chronic IBS. And um, this was something which, incidentally, uh, from the day I changed my diet, it never came back. I mean, literally, it never Mm. came back, and I'd suffered with it for that long. But it didn't just stop there. Over the years, I started to gain weight to the point where, at at my heaviest, I was about three and a half, nearly four stone overweight, um, which is kind Mm. of about uh, 70 pounds. Wow. And uh, I was just, I was just, I was big, and I was unhealthy, I was sweaty and breathless. I had no energy. I used to have to nap in the afternoons. Um, I used to have headaches all the time. I mean, literally, I would have headaches every single day. So I'd be taking mm-hmm. like Advil or some equivalent literally every day, three, four, five, six a day. I'd have chronic indigestion and acid reflux. I had painful knees. All my joints were really painful. So if I'd squatted down, I couldn't stand up again easily. I mean, I was by the time I got into my 40s, I'm 52 now, I was an absolute wreck. 
I mean, it mm. was really, really bad. I mean, it, it, if you've seen pictures of me before and after, it is like I, I'm, I look kind of swollen and puffy um, when I was a vegetarian, and now I kind of look lean. I was apple-shaped previously, and now I'm kind of triangular-shaped. So it's, it's profoundly changed everything about me. Now, I'm sure there might be people listening thinking, well, he probably wasn't eating a healthy vegetarian diet, right? What was kind of a yeah. typical day that you would be eating? Oh, my daily de- eatings were um, uh, based around brown rice, around uh, pulses, around soy milk and uh, and tofu. Um, I had up to 15 portions of fruit and vegetables every day. Um, I had seeds, uh, sunflower seeds, sesame seeds. Um, I ate nuts. Man, I had the most varied diet you could ever have as a vegetarian. I was a kind of, I ate everything. I mean, you know, it was, uh, in fact, in 1993, we actually moved to um, to Laguna Beach, which is obviously just up the coast from you, and we yeah. lived there for a year. And um, that was a tremendous kind of education because, I mean, Laguna was very focused on that kind of healthy eating living, you know, very low-fat, very kind of vegetable-orientated living. And... Um, and that very much embodied where we were with our diets. This wasn't in any way what anybody in the medical profession would ever tell you was an unhealthy diet. It was incredibly mm-hmm. low fat, very high in fruit and vegetables and in whole grains. It was an old school mm-hmm. hippie diet, really, but it was one which the mainstream was, was steadily embracing and uh, advocating. Now, your partner, who is, was she also a vegetarian as well? Yes, absolutely. We did this whole thing together. Yeah, and um, was and she having Dawn the same health concerns? Don didn't get IBS at all. She never suffered from that at all. But she suffered from weight gain, but then increasingly um, from the mid nineties onwards with depression, and um, mm. uh, and that really got to the point of being suicidal depression by two thousand and eight, um, and that was just. Uh, aggravated by certain um, foodstuffs as well. In other words, you seem to get lots of sort of um, histaminic kind of uh, allergic reactions to to a lot of our diets so that she would, um, her sinuses would fill and she would be unable to breathe and she would get very foggy head, like a really foggy head, so she couldn't, almost like she had a hangover. And she mm-hmm. suffered really badly with all of that too. So she had her own issues as well. Yeah. Wow. You guys were both pretty miserable together for a good 10 plus years. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're still together now. It's been 33 years, but we spent we spent a good 15, 20 of those years, you know, being kind of ill in one way or another. So when we did change the diet, it it was it uh, and we and we both got so much better. It it, it was kind of upsetting, if you can understand mm-hmm. that, because it was great to be well, but it, I was furious with myself for sticking with this diet, which clearly didn't didn't do me any good. Um, but I was also furious for being told by so many healthcare professionals that this was good for me and that I could and then I started to do research into into why I, I, my body had gone so badly wrong and discovered that all along there had been people who were saying that the low fat um diet the low cholesterol diet the kind of more vegetarian based diet was never going to be suitable for everybody and that the healthy eating advice we'd been getting was bogus and was mm-hmm. um influenced by um, uh, pharmaceutical industry lobbying and by um, farming industry lobbying and that's when I really set to unpick it all and that's why I wrote the book to sort of express my horror at what I discovered Right, yeah Now when during this time when you're feeling like 
a train wreck, you know, you just you're you got your abdominal pain and your headaches and you know, your your weight gain and all of that. I'm I'm sure you went to different health practitioners like you were saying and, and sought help, right? What what were some of the yeah. things that they told you? What were some of their answers? Well, at first, um, uh, it was suggested to me that this was um, because of drinking what we in England call real ale, which is just kind of like, um, uh, it's just like a dark beer, really. And um, mm-hmm. and it, it was that kind of like, oh, it's just, you know, this. Uh, and so I tried not drinking real ale, let's say. So I, I tried that, nothing happened. And someone said, well, perhaps you have a, a gluten intolerance. Tried cutting out gluten, didn't make any difference. And people mm-hmm. would say, um, you know, we'd be try a food exclusion diet, which I tried, and that didn't make any difference. And uh, I had uh, proctologists do all sorts of things with little cameras. Um, <laughs> and they thought I may have Crohn's disease, and I didn't have Crohn's disease. And uh, eventually, um, I was sent to a, um, a specialist. He called himself a specialist, though quite what he was special in, I don't know, because he made me very <laughs> ill by suggesting that um, my... Uh, uh, my um, IBS was caused by um, not enough fibre in my diet. Well, let me tell you, I was eating more fibre than a horse uh, because mm. I was eating whole grains, etc. He ignored all my food diaries and gave me fibro gel, which I'm sure you're familiar with, and uh, which he said would would um, bind my stools, I think was his uh, medical view of this. Well, it sent my body into one of the worst spasms that I've ever suffered for 48 hours. And I thought, this, and the, the effects of which... Uh, are so heinous, I won't describe them to you in public because it's really unpleasant. But mm-hmm. basically everything that's inside of you goes outside of you at, at speed. And I thought, well, if this is the quality of the advice that I'm getting, I'm just I'm going to give up on doctors. Because the other thing, which I haven't mentioned yet, which shocked me, was my cholesterol was ragingly high. It was the highest cholesterol reading that had been seen in the area of England I was living at the time. Now, we measure cholesterol differently in the UK to, to America, but in the UK, it's 9.2, which I think in, the, in your kind of reading is over 350. It wow. was really, really high, so, so they put me on statins. And um, I said, well, how's my, uh, how's, it so, how's my cholesterol so high when I don't eat any cholesterol? I haven't eaten any cholesterol all my adult life. I didn't have an right. answer to that. Uh, couldn't really tell wow. me. They just gave me the drugs anyway and said, you'll die quicker. Uh, you're more likely to die if um, if you don't take this drug. Essentially, that was what he said. So I took the drug. And, Did um, they say it was genetic for you? Uh, no, no, he didn't think it was because my my dad had died at a heart attack at 65 with um, quite low cholesterol of about 4.1. Mm. Um, now, interestingly, uh, I had my cholesterol checked. I must say, I'm not a believer in the lipid hypothesis, and uh, I don't think mm-hmm. cholesterol is a marker for um, for heart disease, but. I went and had my cholesterol check recently. Now, bear in mind that I am now on a diet which is a high, or relatively high fat animal, fat, animal fat, animal protein based diet. My cholesterol is now 5.1. Right? And I stopped taking the statin four years ago. So, in fact, my cholesterol is half what it was when I, wasn't, when, when I was having the healthy low fat diet. And that's why wow. I now know my cholesterol was high because my body was trying to heal itself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, exactly. and it was broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, nobody, the doctors didn't know anything about this. I mean, I don't know if this is commonplace in America, this uh, this kind of similar, um, well, I have to call it ignorance because that's what it is. It's just absolute ignorance from medical professionals who just seem to want to give you the pills and then um, send you away as though this is going to be the um, cure-all for everything. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm not in that medical system. You know, I get to practice a different way, but I hear it from patients. I mean, I wish I had a dollar or even a penny every time a patient tells me some, some crazy thing that their doctor says. It's just it's like, you know, conventional doctors say the darndest things. Yeah, absolutely. And then they have the cheek to sneer at uh, people like me for looking right. things up on the Internet, as they would express it. They would say, I would mm-hmm. come with sort of outlandish theories about what might be going wrong with my body and say, did you read that on the Internet? In a kind of mm-hmm. sneery way at me, as though trying to educate yourself about what was going wrong with your body was a bad thing, you know, very annoying. You know, I, I love when patients read things on the Internet. Now, I do have to tell them, when I prescribe this treatment plan for you, I don't want you Googling everything because, you know, there's a million things that are conflicting on the Internet. But, but I really like when patients are empowered and then they do their own research because oftentimes they bring up ideas that I hadn't thought about, and I'm, I'm happy to consider them. I think it's, it's great. It's so important to be empowered in your own health. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I think that was one of the most upsetting things about being ill for so long was that, I I came to accept it as my lot in life. I thought, well, this is just how life is going to be now. I'll just have to tolerate it. And eventually, even though it's a very debilitating um, illness that you have, you do cope with it. People cope with far worse things. Um, And so you just start to tolerate not being at your fullest strength. You tolerate running on half power. And I think that's one of the great tragedies, really, of it, is that you know, you're left to fight it on your own and just hope that things get better. And, of course, the thing that made me so furious was that um, a better quality of life, better health, better better mentality, better physicality was just around the corner the whole time. All it took was mm-hmm. for me to understand what my body needed and to give it my body what it needed, and then everything worked properly. And the fact that that was just... that was, I walked side by side with that possibility for so long and never knew is really what was the motivation behind writing the book because um, I just thought that other people will be in the same situation with similar things happening to them. And I, I wish I'd read my book 20 years ago so I could have avoided going through all of this. Yeah. No kidding. I say that oftentimes too. I wish I had known about naturopathic medicine. You know, when I was just getting out of elementary school, I wouldn't have been so sick as I was in high school. It's just, But, you know, it helps us to be able to tell our story and to really understand what people are going through. So it's pretty much meant to be like that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell me about the transition that you made. So 26 years of being a vegan, and then what happened? Well, one day, Dawn came in, because Dawn is kind of very proactive, uh, much more so proactive in life generally than I am. And she said, Mm -hmm. you know, we've been ill for so long, and we've tried all these exclusion diets. We've tried, you know, putting things in, taking things out. So the one thing we've never done is put animal protein and animal fat into our diets. So I'm going to eat meat again. And uh, and I, I, this was obviously because you, it's it's shocking because your whole self-identity as a vegan or as a vegetarian becomes based around that, that lifestyle choice. Um, mm-hmm. And so you, it's how everybody knows you and it's how you know yourself. And so uh, changing the, uh, the diet wasn't just a kind of um, lifestyle choice. It was a whole kind of you know, it was how it's how I worked in the world was as a vegetarian. So it was a profound change, and um, I didn't want Don to go through it alone. But I was kind of intimidated by the idea of it. But eventually, mm-hmm. after a lot of um, soul searching, we said, "Well, okay, we'll do it. If 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 nothing changes, we can always go back to being a vegetarian. We won't tell anybody that we've cheated, and um, <laughs> and you know, we'll be none the worse for the for the experience." So 
yeah. So we just so one day we decided to eat meat again, and um, from that day um, we never looked back. Uh, that, from that day, our lives changed totally. What was the meal that you added in first? Well, I wanted to uh, test my squeamishness, so I had um, ox liver, which is oh. like somebody said to me later, man, that's like trying drugs for the first time and starting with crack cocaine. Um, because, <laughs> because you know, liver is kind of like, there's no doubting it comes from an animal, man. It's bleeding. <laughs> it's bleeding right. all over the kitchen. Um, but I used to love liver as a kid. And um, so I thought, well, I'll go back to what I used to love, you know, when I was a meat eater. So I, uh, that was what we'd had first. And I overcooked it, and, and but it was familiar, and it wasn't too bad. And then I had a, a ribeye steak uh, for my next meal. And that was the thing that really freaked me out man it was really amazing it was a profound um experience to sink my teeth into animal flesh again and to really feel what it was like to be a full human again um i think in the book i said i say it was like having a uh, it, it sounds i i am aware i have form for for being a bit of a hippie so so i ask you to, to bear that in mind when i say it, it was kind of like a religious experience it was a kind of cosmic thing <laughs> I felt reconnected to the circle of life and death again, uh, uh, which is the natural cycle of all existence. And I had, as a vegetarian, I tried to step away from that because it seemed brutal and upsetting and, you know, kind of like beastly to animals, to sentient creatures to kill them. And then I suddenly realized, really, what I was doing was living this really, really unnatural life. I thought it was the most green, the most natural way to exist. But suddenly I really realized, I mean, you know, eating that steak, I realized that, no, in fact, I was I was born to eat meat as a creature and that I was connecting to a, to a kind of bloodline of of my ancestry. And um, mm. and I felt, and it was, it, you know, on a physical level, that was the thing that really persuaded me because the IBS went away, never came back. I lost, um, I lost 15% body fat. I went from uh, 27, 28% body fat down to 14 I lost three wow. and a half stone or uh, about 70 pounds of weight. So, you know, uh, that all changed. But mentally and spiritually, it changed me too. And that was a really profound thing to experience. Now, did you make other changes besides adding in meat? Like, did you take out more of the higher carb foods? Yes, that was it. In conjunction with starting to eat the meat, I um, increased the amount of um, fat we ate, particularly um, animal fat in terms of butter and uh, lard and um, duck fat, um, basically everything your doctors tell you not to eat. I, 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 right. I, I ate all of that. Um, and at the same time, I stopped eating all grains um, and I stopped eating high-load carbs. So I didn't eat potatoes or sweet potatoes or pretty much just stuck to leafy greens. Um, and I also stopped eating high-sugar fruits, so I just ate berries. And, uh, yeah, so essentially I, I did that all simultaneously. And uh, it was amazing. I can't tell you, Lauren, just how amazing it was to eat a meal and not sit there with my gut distended, feeling like it had lead in it. Because that was my experience of eating a meal every every day for for 17 years. And then after Mm -hmm. I'd had that steak, this didn't happen. And I thought, wow, man, what kind of voodoo is this? (laughs) But it turns out (laughs) the voodoo was just eating a diet that really suited me and which stopped... Uh, feeding all of the 
uh, flora and in my guts, which were overreacting to all of the sugar that I was putting into it through the carbohydrate. And it just it suited me so perfectly. And I knew it straight away. I mean, it was not... A, it, I didn't have to make this argument with myself. After that first day of eating meat again, I just knew. I knew it was, right, it was as profound as uh, as light and dark. It really was. It was like walking from the dark into the light. And, um, mm. I mean, I was lucky in that regard because, obviously, in doing a lot of publicity for the book, I've talked to a lot of people who have suffered in similar ways. And not everybody has this such a huge, profound change in their life so quickly. Um, a lot for a lot of people, it's more gradual, and indeed some of the physical changes I went through were more gradual. But that, but you know, on a really deep visceral core level, I knew that I'd come home to the right place. I mean, I just knew mm. it with all of my soul. So um, yeah, so there was. It wasn't a case of ever having to argue with myself that I'd made the wrong decision. It, it was profoundly right. Now, how about Dawn? What was her reaction like? Well, Dawn's. Um, because she suffered in different ways, her reactions were very interesting because she was also going through the menopause at the time, which was obviously influences mm-hmm. your whole body chemistry too. Um, uh, but all of the foggy heads that she'd suffered from, these really clouded minds, very so achy heads and very sort of low energy levels and exhaustion, that all disappeared. That all disappeared mm-hmm. probably within the first three or four weeks. Um, she... Uh, suffered some weight gain, um, not from uh, not from the diet, but just from basically the the, the hormonal changes in in um, in her insulin levels. But that subsequently, about a year in, dropped away, and she went back down to a long term sort of natural weight again. So that was fine. So yeah, she, she I mean her health um, improved not just to the point of um, not just kind of like mine in in that very obvious physical way with the IBS kind of uh, being taken away. But her health improved in a very sort of basic, fundamental way as well. And um, I mean, she would never go back to how we used to eat. I mean, I mean, she blames um, because she, she really had a very sluggish thyroid, and she blames that on massive consumption of soya because we ate a lot of soya. I mean, we ate tofu every every other day. We ate, ate terrible processed soya products, you know, like veggie burgers and. Mm-hmm. All those kind of Same things. And we ate them, <laughs> man. We ate them every day for twenty odd years. We were like a guinea pigs for soya, and, and she blames her, her thyroid on that. Which um, I know that Kayla Daniels wrote that fantastic book uh, about soya, and I know it's something that she very much believes as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she changed changed totally. Now, did you have any issues digesting the meat? It sounds like your digestion was much much better, actually. Oh yes, no. I mean, I've never had. I, you know, to this day which is now uh, two and a half, two and three-quarter years later. I've never had indigestion once, not once. I, mm-hmm. I used to suffer indigestion every day. I used to take Rennies like they were sweets, like they were candy. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I, the digestion has been brilliant. And uh, ev- everything has just worked as you would expect it to work. Everything is just very, very calm and rational. And the other, that's the other thing that I really noticed about this um, was um, my, because um, obviously I'm a writer, and I've been writing for about 13 or 14 years. Uh, but I actually finished the edit of, um, of, of a book I was writing about soccer um, as this whole dietary change was happening. Now, that book was my first book to be um, nominated for one of the most prestigious sports book prizes in the UK. It's called the William Hill Sports Book of the Year. And that made the long list for that, which is like a real accolade. I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very few people that get onto that list. And I'm sure that that happened because my mental acuity was so much improved while I was doing that editing. 
And um, it, that wasn't that wasn't untypical. I'm gonna tell you the other thing that happened was my eyesight improved. I had to wear glasses for reading for that five years prior to this. But for as soon as I changed the diet, my eyesight improved. Not so it was perfect, but so I didn't need to sit in half light with glasses on. And I just thought I'm sure this was probably increasing vitamin A or something, something I was getting from the meat. So all these things were happening simultaneously, and I was sort of. I was really amazed that my body could change like that. Um, and that's another one of the reasons for for writing the book, because it wasn't just about, well, it was great not to have the IBS, and it was great to lose weight, uh, and those were fantastic things, and to have more energy, and to all the other things that happened. But the other brilliant thing about it was that mentally, I was just much more rational and calm, much less pro- prone to be over-emotional. Um, mm-hmm. One of the really basic things I noticed was I was a kind of, because I'm a kind of creative guy, and I used to, you know, if you saw like something really moving in a movie on the TV, you know, I'd get a little tear in my eye, something like that. But that that stopped happening. I stopped kind of <laughs> being over emotional about things. And Dawn said, you, you, "You've become more masculine." <laughs> said, Interesting. Well, you're just not as emotional. They said, "You more, you were more. You used to be more feminine. Now you're more masculine." Whether this is a good thing or not, I leave it for other people to judge. <laughs> now, now you're like a ru- you're a rugged caveman now, right? I am. I'm, I'm like Iron John now, yeah. Um, but it's. But I think it's because there's so much less glucose in my blood. And I think right. it, my emotions just don't fly up and down like they used to. I don't know if that's something you have experience of, uh, Lauren, uh, you know, if that's something you've come across when people go on low-carb eating, that they find their emotions are much more stable. Yeah, well, one thing we know is for men, when they have insulin surges, it creates more of an environment with their hormones that's more woman-like. So their their testosterone then gets converted into estrogen, and that's when you can see some of those more, you know, emotional liability or lability, I should say, kind of thing. So so it's not as um, stable emotions-wise. So, yeah, you start getting those surges, and the testosterone can stay more intact rather than getting converted. So I think that's huge. And then, yeah, just blood sugar dropping and... You know, you can feel kind of shaky, jittery, uh, irritable, just unstable. When, yeah. you're, when your blood sugar is all over the map, you're all over the map. Yeah, and of course eating a lot of soya means you're just getting a whole ton mm-hmm. of estrogen, which I just yes. kind of think isn't good for a guy. And, uh, very you true. Know, it's, you know, and, uh, that's very noticeable. You know, you start to put weight on, on, your, on, your, on your chest, so you, you end up with moves as we call them in the UK. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, <laughs> Man boobs, yeah. And, uh, you know, and again, of course, now all of that's gone and I'm really lean. And, um, you know, I, 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 if, if there was any sort of doubt about this, I know that because obviously when I've been doing a lot of publicity for this, a lot of vegans and vegetarians, it, it makes it makes them angry because they, they think one of their own has turned on them and um, and has been critical of them. And, and it really isn't about that. It's about what I've been talking to people about over this last year and a half is it's about finding what really does suit you what suits how you're set up and of course obviously some people don't have the problems that i had uh, as a vegetarian and vegan which is great um i think some people feel as though it's a competition who's got the best diet you know and um you know who's right who's wrong and i think that the thing i take away from the whole experience is that the the kind of one size healthy eating fits all kind of um advice that we get from uh, conventional medicine, if you like, and certainly from the health service in the UK, is simply inappropriate to many of us, and is actively damaging to many of us as well. And that you know, that we have to think outside of those parameters and look at really what suits us as individuals, and not just take this kind of um, uh, doctrine that's been passed down now since the early 70s, 
since the early 80s has been a, a kind of gospel because it mm-hmm. just isn't you know, and it's wrong and that's that was another motivation for writing the book that um, if I can change like this other people can as well now, how what kind of uh, changes have you heard about from other people reading the book? Any success stories? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing that um, people have been saying to me um, it was how easy it was to to shed weight once you um, start to up the amount of, um, of fat you intake and uh, and lessen the amount of carbohydrates, simply because obviously fat um, um, inhibits your digestion. So you just don't need to eat as much. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, essentially people seem to have, and, and obviously you know, your kind of insulin levels are entirely different, so you just don't lay fat down in the same way. And um, so, yeah, uh, a lot of people have been saying to me you know, that, that as soon as they went to a similar kind of diets, they lost weight. But, um, and also, um, as I did, I put on a lot of muscle. Um, and it was almost kind of, which is weird, because you know, I was going through, I was like 49 when I started this, so you don't really expect to become a kind of muscular kind of guy at 49. It's like you should be on the way down, not on the way up. <laughs> but I, uh, I I developed like really quite a lot of muscle just by doing the same exercise regimes that I'd always done. And uh, again, a lot of other people have noted that. And I think this is because as a vegetarian, I, I wasn't eating proper protein. I just didn't get proper full protein with all of the amino acids. And it's just now I do. So I, so now my body can work properly and it can respond to what I give it, to what the tasks I give it to do, which it couldn't do before. So yeah, there's been a lot of. It. I mean, what? But what's been probably the most upset inside of this has been meeting people that, when I've been talking to people about the book and doing lectures about it that are suffering so badly. Our loved ones are suffering so badly because they get such inappropriate advice from their medical professional. And they're just desperate, just as I was desperate. And, um, you know, to, when they hear about the experience I'd had with um, IBS, it, it chimes with so many people's um, lives. A really funny thing happened the other day. There was a guy, um, big kind of working class guy, was knocking seven bells out of my um, chimney because I was having a fireplace knocked out and a new one put in. So he's this big, real blue-collar labouring guy, you know, like a big guy. And, I, and he said, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a writer. And I told him about the meat fix. He goes, he says, yeah, I've never told anybody about this, but I have a lot of trouble like that as well. And he was obviously like a big kind of, you know, repressed kind of guy. But he had a lot mm-hmm. of trouble, you know, with his digestion, with all the associated problems with that. And I, I told him about it. And, I, and it, it was amazing to me that all these people, you meet them in all walks of life who are suffering, often in the silence, with, things that, with, with conditions that they don't like to talk about. And it can be all diet-related, you know. And um, mm-hmm. he went away um, and started to eat, you know, a little bit more like what, how I eat. And when I saw him, like, two weeks ago, he said he, he bought me a drink. He said, man, I'm so glad I, I, so glad I came to do your chimney because it's, it's changed my life. He said, like, all of the trouble I was having has gone away. So, you know, it's amazing, really. That is amazing. Wow, you changed his life. Such a simple change. Yeah, and really, a change back to a diet that our grandparents are much more familiar with. And before we we got off the, we got kind of deflected away from what we knew to be um, food which was nutritious for us and got caught up in eating so much processed food. 
and so much added wheat and added sugar before before all these things were mutated and changed. And, um, yeah, returned to a basic natural diet in the sense of not eating food made in a factory, but eating food made in your kitchen. Well, the cool thing is it, it tastes so much better. I mean, it's like a bonus. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy and so quick as well. I mean, you know what I prefer for my meal? Today I um, I had a I had a fillet steak, and broccoli, and uh, some summer squash, and um, that took me what six minutes to prepare. You know, right. then, you know it takes longer than that to thaw something out in a microwave. So you know, wow. it's it, it kind of made life simple and easy too. Mhm. So what other kinds of benefits? I mean, there's so many. You said your your mood got better, your digestion got better, you lost weight. What what other oh, yeah. benefits? I'm sure there's even more things you experienced. Oh yeah, totally. The next thing I noticed was that um, my libido became more um, engorged, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how to politely say this, but yeah, my, it was like it was like someone turned the turned the tap back on, and it was like feeling like I was 20 again. And again, because I was kind of in my late 40s, you. You, you, and because all these health changes happened over such a long period of time, you forget what it's like to feel healthy and, and a, right. like a healthy red-blooded male. I, I know that sounds crazy, but you really do because, it, because the, the kind of diminution of your health happens slowly, incrementally, you know, month by month, year by year. So you forget how you used to feel when you were well. And, you, mm-hmm. and all you can think about is just getting through another day. So when I started, when I had all these improvements, I and I, I said I said to Dawn one night, she said, I, I, I just feel like I haven't felt since we first met when we were like 19, and uh, and yes, yeah, so that's just really noticeable. I mean, really noticeable. I mean, you don't need to take Viagra. I would just recommend eating red meat. This, this, seems, to be, this seems to do it for me. Um, so yeah, so that was a whole other thing, and a, and a brilliant thing as well because you know it's kind of nice to feel vital and. Um, you know, kind of red in tooth and claw at my age, you know, rather than feel like you're a yeah. crust of a man. <laughs> One of the really cool changes that I noticed was my allergies pretty much went away. I used to be really? allergic That's to dogs and, and cats. Yeah, I used to be allergic to dogs and cats, and I had a cat for years, and I, I loved him so much I just kind of pushed through it and suffered, but I was sneezing all the time. I mean, I would sneeze, gosh, a hundred times on certain days. It was just awful. I had to take Benadryl and Claritin. And and since taking out grains and the sugars and doing a real, you know, nutritious paleo diet, my, my allergies are virtually gone. My boyfriend has a cat, and I have never had an issue with her at all. That's fantastic. And what do you ascribe that to? Or why do you think those changes have happened? Well, there's such a clear connection with the gut and it's in the rest, you know, and how it affects your body from mental and, and um, you know, hormonal. And I mean, the gut is really where it's at. So if you're eating foods that are causing inflammation and releasing histamine, then that can cause yeah. all different kinds of symptoms throughout the body. But for me, it showed up as allergies. So histamine is the main, you know, chemical that's released when you have allergies. And histamine can be released within the gut when you have food sensitivities. So taking out those foods, it cleared it up quite a bit and and if you think about it the same kind of tissue that lines your digestive tract which is mucous membranes that also lines your sinuses so if you have inflammation in the gut you're you know more likely to have inflammation within the sinuses too so you reduce the inflammation and you notice the benefits even beyond the digestive tract so that's my that's what i think did it for me 
Well, certainly mm-hmm. I think that would um, correspond with Dawn's experience with stopping eating soya, because I think she was just hugely allergic to soya, or, or rather, perhaps I should say, that eating soya so much um, caused her immune system to break down. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that the processed soya particularly, not so much tofu or tempeh, but, um, but processed soya I think is a pernicious food stuff, which is which really people should, you know, really should stay away from. I, I, I lay the blame of much of what went wrong with both of us at the door of um, processed soya. And, and the idea mm-hmm. is that it's sold to us as such a green thing. I mean, it comes in green right. boxes. It's all, hey, man, it's nature. You know, it's, all, it's, it's like meat from a plant. You know, but if you look, as I did, how soya um, is, is, is extracted and how you know, and the the industrial process that goes to create things like veggie burgers and and other extruded soya products, man, it's the most processed thing that there is on earth. There isn't anything that's processed more. It's hard to get protein out of a soya bean and make it look like meat. You know, mm-hmm. um, so it's I was tricking, I was fooling myself really. I think I was deluding myself that somehow, because I was eating soya, that uh, you know this, this this was a green kind of product. I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. Mhm. Yeah, it's true. Now, what about people listening who are going, "Hey, well, I eat mostly vegetarian, and I feel great." I mean, what what would your be response to those people? I would say, "Fantastic! I want you to feel great, um, but I don't want your health to suffer in the long term." So, what I would say is, a keep an eye on it. You know, really. You know, and b are you really, really healthy? Really? Because I think if you'd asked me, I would have said. Um, that I was healthier, even when I suffered from chronic IBS, I would have told you I was healthier than I really was because I felt, mm. I, I, I can see now, that I was actually in denial about it with myself because it's a lifestyle choice, because it becomes a kind of character issue. You really don't want to admit to yourself, really, that you are becoming slowly, gradually, profoundly ill and um, mm-hmm. and that all the things you ascribe, especially at my time of life, um, you ascribe them to older age. So, you know, if you have if your knees hurt and um, you think, oh, well, you know, I'm in my mid-40s, this is just how it is. Your body, you know, doesn't work as well. And yet I found that, that I was tricking myself thinking that because now I can do, you know, squat thrusts, everything, not, not a problem, all my joints are fine. Um, so this wasn't true, you know, but I was trying to tell myself, even my doctors used to come to, to say these things to me as well, you know, well, you can't expect to, you know, to, you're, not the, you're not the lad you used to be, you know, now you're in your mid-40s. And, they have, and because your health can deteriorate slowly over a long period of time, as I say, you kind of forget. It was like me with, uh, you know, I have to say it really, it was my priapic response. It was, you forget what it used to be like when you were 20. And when, it, when I was restored to full manliness, you might put it, and uh, euphemistically, then I suddenly remembered what it was like. And of course, you know, you know, because these changes take a long time, you may think things are fine now. Maybe they are. But are they really? You know, I would, I would ask people to question themselves and to, you know, is it really suiting them? I have absolutely no doubt that some people, being a vegetarian, it will suit them. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't written the meat fix as a kind of solution to everybody's dietary issues, only to illustrate what happened to me and uh, mm-hmm. what it cured within me, and uh, offer that as a solution if you are similarly afflicted. Yeah, yeah. For those listening who do eat more of a plant-based diet, which most of my listeners probably don't, given the kind of content I have on my show, 
Um, but I, I would really encourage you guys to get some some testing done to see if you have any deficiencies. I'm a big fan of nutrient testing. And, you know, you may not have symptoms just yet, but you might have some real deficiencies that eventually will turn into symptoms. And it can take a while for some of those symptoms to show up. I know for myself, it took about three years until I felt the urge to, to eat meat. But it turned out I was actually very anemic, and I had been for, for years before that. So, you know, get it checked out and make sure you don't have any anything that's accumulating. And and if you're just if it's more of an ethical issue and you're just really adamant about eating a vegetarian diet, that's totally your choice. But there's ways you can do it healthier and make sure you don't get these deficiencies that are real full blown. I mean, I wish that I had been um, um, a vegetarian as opposed to a vegan. I think I would have been better being a vegetarian mm-hmm. than being a vegan. If I if I'd only eaten eggs, I think I would have been much better mm-hmm. um, because eggs yeah. are just a complete food and a fantastic. So you know, right. I would say you know let you know, this has been a really important thing because there's been a lot of antagonism, as you can understand, um, to, uh, to by vegetarians and vegans and, and other people who follow in, in what you might call traditional healthy eating, and um, and I didn't want that because a I'm still a bit of a hippie, and I'm still mm-hmm. a bit into my peace and love, and still listen to Grateful Dead, um, but I also because um, I don't see it as trying to get one up on anybody, you know, and trying to say sort of, I'm right, you're wrong, you know, be rather childish about it like that. It isn't that. It is just about what gives you, you know, full health, really. And um, uh, and, uh, it worries me, and it particularly worries me when I see younger people um, who are understandably squeamish about eating meat and about having animals slaughtered. I totally understand that. And I think in a way... That comes from a beautiful place, you know. It's you know, having empathy for other living creatures is a noble thing. Um, but I read a fantastic book by a woman called Leah Keith. I don't know if you're aware of her, a great book mm-hmm. called The Vegetarian Myth, and she documents her own suffering as a as a vegan and as a feminist too. And um, and uh, she uh, she made a great point in that book, which was like, well, who told us that life was going to be so easy for everything? You know, life mm. life. You know, we can't separate ourselves from life and death. You know, who said that all all living things have to, you know, live a feather-bedded existence and then, you know, eventually die out? You know, look around you. I mean, as I sit here, I live out in the countryside. I've just watched a barn owl swoop into the field and catch, um, catch a field mouse. Now, mm. you know, that's life and death right there. Now, we're part of all that too, you know, and we don't have to. We don't have to, uh, as meat eaters, with a conscience, we don't have to um, buy into the worst industrialized meat um, production processes. We can buy grass-fed, and uh, and I know that California is particularly fantastic for getting grass-fed meat um, Mm -hmm. these days. So, you know, we can can have animals looked after correctly um, and not have them tortured in, in kind of intensive rearing situations, but we can also give ourselves the right to put a bolt through red and eat them, you know, <laughs> because, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the nature of life and death and uh, and of our existence. So I've tried to kind of, I think I've took some people with me, really. A lot of people have <laughs> have uh, seen that I wasn't trying, I'm not trying to be deliberately antagonistic towards, you know, people who feel very strongly about animal rights and such. And I'm really not. I do understand that and I still have sympathy. Uh, but I just think that I, I think that for me it was totally wrong, uh, physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's ways to do it in a very humane 
kind of way, where you're honoring the animal, you're honoring its sacrifice, you know, more of like a Native American, you know, kind of tradition. Yeah. And, yeah, and, I mean, suffering is not required. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Wow, well, I just, I, I love the work that you've been doing, John. I, I'm so inspired by your story, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm so I'm so glad you found health, and it was really you being empowered and continuing to look and, and ask questions and, and just, you know, having courage to, to do something that you never thought you would do and, and, and just being real about it. I mean, I'm sure you got a lot of flack about making this, this choice and writing this book especially, so it takes a yeah. lot of balls. <laughs> yeah, well, luckily, I, I, after changing to a meat-based diet, I seem to have more balls. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks, I couldn't agree with you nice more. To today. Yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure. Thanks for uh for gracing us with your presence and um best of luck continuing with the book and the whole movement and uh you know, hopefully we can meet someday. Okay, well, it's beautiful to talk to you today, Lauren. You take care of yourself. All right, you too, John. Thanks. Bye. Bye now. All right, you guys, that's our show for today. Not tonight, as I'm used to saying. Um, really, really enjoyed that show. You guys check out John Nicholson's book. It's called The Meat Fix. You can check that out on Amazon. I also have the link um, for on the, on the radio link. You'll have the link there for the book. And you can check out all previous shows uh, for Dr. Low Radio if you go to drlowradio.com. You can also go to the podcast directory on iTunes and search Dr. Low Radio on there. I think we have about 90 shows or so now. And for next week's show, I'm going to be interviewing Aaron Keith. He is a top-class business coach. We're going to be talking about balance and how to have balance in your life. And if you're going to be at the Ancestral Health Symposium this weekend, definitely come up to me and say hello. I'd love to meet you. We're going to be doing a lecture on case studies from various medical perspectives. So check that out. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.